Uh, some of you uh, just happened to be scrolling through Facebook and you saw a friend shared Hallmark Baptist Church. And so, hey, welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, some of you maybe got invited over uh, by a neighbor or by a coworker, and so on. I'll just welcome you. Uh, feel free to go to our website and the information there. And uh, we'd love to know or just uh, let us know on Facebook that you're here here with us. And uh, so as I think about today and, uh, you know, it's kind of like this crazy environment, right? Like some of you probably are, we, we have extremes on both sides. Some of you are super um, nervous and scared. Some of you went and bought apparently all the water and toilet paper from all the stores. And uh, some of you are like, this is absolutely ridiculous. You guys are crazy. And uh, so we have like all these extremes on both sides. Um, and I'll be honest with you, when uh, I first started thinking about and, and noticing and hearing all the other churches in the area and really all over the country that were um, canceling or at least not having a service at their location, and then when the, the government began to maybe request us not to meet, I uh, everything in me is like I'm I'm a rebellious, I have a rebellious spirit, and I was like, no, nah, if they tell me no, I'm, I'm going to have it. And so I had to wrestle with that a little bit. Um, but here's the great thing. Uh, we've always teach, even when I was a kid, and we teach our kids at Hallmark, that uh, the church is not the building. The church is the people. And so it's kind of exciting to think that we have people all over uh, the Metroplex, maybe all over the world, who are joining us live right now uh, and so the church still meets you know the church the gospel still goes forward and, and what i was thinking uh today is that um potentially there's more people engaged in church now today than ever before uh, because some of you are going to scroll through facebook you're going to share this hopefully on your facebook and so that excites me i i, I believe you know uh, a few years back um, we had a, a, a family come to our church and the reason they came was the night before, some of you remember this, but the Texas Longhorns were playing USC in the national championship game. There were some people that lived right across the street from our church and uh, they prayed that night, Lord, if the, if the Longhorns will win, we're going to walk across the street and we're going to go to that church. And if you know much about sports, uh, you know Vince Young went around the right side and scored and won, won the game, the national championship. And uh, guess what? Those people walked across the church and they gave their life to Christ the very next day. They heard the gospel. And so I'm, I'm praying that that's what's going to happen today. Um, but hey, we're starting a new series uh, this week. Uh, that series is called God Never Said That. So what I want you to do, uh, wherever you're at, at home now, share, share with us where you're at, where you're watching from. Maybe... Uh, post a picture in the comments there. Um, and then also, maybe you can answer this question or give us some, some thoughts. Um, God never said that as, as we think about things that maybe our culture and even our pop culture has uh, claimed that God has said, you know, intentionally or unintentionally, that God actually never said. So let me give you an example. Um, God just wants you to be happy. That's something we oftentimes credit God for saying, which he never did say. How about God helps those who help themselves? Or maybe God won't give you more than you can handle. Those are things that we sometimes say God said, or we, we, we at least act like he said that, that he, he didn't say that. So leave some in comments, maybe some ideas of, 
of other pop cultural theology that we have claimed. And so what we want to talk about today is, in, in the next few weeks, the, but today specifically is this thought. And I think it really applies to our culture, what, what we're, the environment we're in right now. Since God is always good, life is always good. You know, every morning at, at, uh, at Hallmark, I get up and say, God is good. And everybody responds, all the time. Then I say, all the time. And everybody responds, God is good. But that doesn't mean life is always good. That doesn't mean we don't have problems. That doesn't mean we don't have sickness and we don't have viruses and, and we have things that maybe scare us a little bit. Uh, and Paul kind of talked about that in Romans chapter 8, 28. And I think sometimes this verse is, um, is where people tend to make this pop culture theology that because God is good, life will always be good. So Romans 8, 28 says this, uh, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So when we just kind of maybe glance at the verse, it maybe infers, or we think it does, that because God is good, life is good, always. Uh, but that's not what the verse says. It doesn't say life is always good. It says God is always good, and that God is always working uh, for our good. And, and so today, as we think about this thought, since God is good, life doesn't mean it's always good. And uh, one of my favorite Bible stories is found in Genesis. So maybe you got your Bible, maybe you're on the YouVersion Bible app this morning, uh, and maybe you got your kids gathered around the couch, you're watching uh, Genesis 37. In Genesis 37, we're going to go through a lot of scripture and, and kind of just the highlights of this story of Joseph. And uh, Joseph was uh, 17 years old where we kind of pick up into the story. He had 10 brothers. I'm not sure what that would be like. They were all older than him. So he's the baby and he's the favorite. So Genesis 37 and it starts in verse 2. This is a history of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. He was feeding the flock with his brothers and the lad was with sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. His father's wives and Joseph brought a bad report to them, to his father. And so here the baby brother has brought a bad report like he's tattletelling on the older brothers. Verse 3, uh, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. So he's the favorite. He's the baby. That's kind of normal, right? Verse 4, But when his brothers saw their, uh, that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and they could not speak peaceably to him. And so you got these 10 older brothers who don't like Joseph, the baby, and all those things that we even in our culture, you know, uh, think about the baby of the family. Um, and so let's, let's keep reading this story. The, the jealousy continues. And so in verse 18, Genesis 37, Now when they saw him afar off, and of course they saw him afar off because he's wearing this favorite coat, right? Uh, the coat of many colors that, that their dad had made for him. And even before he came near them, they conspired to kill him. And so the hatred has gone to the extreme, right? They want to, they want to kill him. But one of the brothers, Reuben, verse 21 said, and delivered them out of their hands. And he said, let us not kill him. Verse 22, and Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into the pit, which is in the wilderness. Do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring them back to his father. And so he has a plan to save Joseph's life. Later in the story, and just a few verses later, in verse 26, So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? So he's thinking about money. 
Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Verse 28, the Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit. And they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. And, and so here they throw him in a pit. Then they decide to sell him. Uh, and, and interesting, while he's in the pit, they just go and eat their lunch. Like it's no big deal. They've thrown their brother into the pit. And they sell him to slavery. They take him off uh, to Egypt. And then in verse 32, so Genesis 37 and verse 32. Then they sent, him the, uh, they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? So, you know, they've torn it into pieces. Earlier in the text, we read that they put goat's blood on it. And, and of course, they're expecting their father to, to come to the conclusion that their brother has been attacked. And, and that's what happens in verse 33. It says, he recognized and said it. So my son's tunic, a wild beast has devoured him. Without Joseph, Without doubt, Joseph is torn into pieces. And so think about this. The, the dad is like, my son, my favorite son. And, and these older brothers, their scheme, their plan uh, to lead their dad to believe that, that wild animals had destroyed their brother, it worked. And so they sell him into slavery. He's in Egypt. They're probably forgetting about their brother. Um, and yet, when we read in the story in, in chapters 37 and 38 and then in 39 that Joseph ends up at Potiphar's house. In Potiphar's house, he's like the captain of the guard, like he's a high-ranking uh, military man in Egypt. And God blessed Joseph, even in this craziness of his life. God blessed him, and as God blessed him, we see uh, an interesting description of Joseph. Uh, verse 30, or excuse me, chapter 39, verse 6. Um, describes Joseph, and, and, and I won't make any comments. We'll just read it, right? It says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Like this dude was a stud, right? He looked good. He was in shape, apparently. And he looked good in, in form and, and appearance. And so what happens is he's in the, in the house, and, and he's really over-controlling. Uh, he's second command of this high-ranking uh, official, and um, his wife sees, and, and maybe in verse 6, she's the one that tells us that, right? He's this good-looking guy. Well, in the text, it talks about that she was trying to seduce him. And he kept saying no to her advances. And so in verse 9, this is what Joseph said. How can I do this great wickedness? How can I sin against, against God? And so Joseph does the right thing. But even in doing the right thing, Potiphar lies to her husband and says that Joseph has tried to attack him. And so what happens? Genesis 39, verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there he was in prison. Joseph has done nothing wrong. He's been sold into slavery, thrown into a pit. Uh, now he's been falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. But look at verse 21 in chapter 39. But the Lord was, was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Even in prison, God was with Joseph. Even in this craziness of life, God was with him. And, and as the same thing that happened in Potiphar's house, Joseph, God blessed him, God was with him, and he, he's elevated to a place of authority, and the same thing happens in prison. 
But then one day in prison, uh, a butler and a baker uh, from the king's palace are thrown into prison. They have these dreams, and, and they can't figure out what the dreams mean. But Joseph tells them, well, God can reveal the vision. God can reveal the dream uh, to me. And, and so he tells them. He tells the butler, well, I'm sorry, but in three days, uh, for you it's good news. But for you, Baker, it's, it's bad news. And so the, the butler's dream says, you're, you're going to be restored to your position in three days. But the baker, you're going to be killed in three days. And this is the revelation that God gives to Joseph. And exactly what Joseph said happened was going to happen. That's exactly what happened. And so uh, as the butler is going to be restored to his position, Joseph tells him, hey, don't forget about me. Uh, tell Pharaoh that I have this ability, that God is using me and God is with me and, and maybe I can get out of this prison. In chapter 40, though, verse 14, uh, the butler is restored. But look what it says, Genesis 40, verse 14. But remember me when it is well with you and, and please show kindness to me. Make mention to me of Pharaoh and get me out of this house or get me out of this prison. And then verse 23 of, of chapter 40, yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph and he forgot him. I wonder what Joseph was thinking. Because we won't take time to read all the texts, but for two more years, Joseph sits in prison. His brothers hated him. His brothers threw him into pit. They sell him into slavery. He gets falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. He helps the guy get out of prison. And yet here for two more years, he sits in prison. You see, although God is good, sometimes life isn't. And let's continue in the story. Genesis chapter 41, verse 6. Uh, what has taken place is that Pharaoh has had a dream now. And Pharaoh has no idea what this dream means. He asks everyone. And finally, finally the butler, after two years, finally two years later, the butler remembers, oh, hey, hey, there's a Hebrew boy. And he's in prison. And, and he can tell you what your dream means. And so Genesis 41, 6. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it's not me that can, I can't tell you the dream. I can't give you the reality of what it is. But God, God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And so Genesis chapter 41, 29 through 30, uh, Joseph reveals to him that the, in the vision, the, the Pharaoh had seen seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, and the skinny cows eat the fat cows. And it doesn't make sense. And so this is what Joseph says. It's indeed... Uh, verse 29, seven years of great plenty will come throughout the land of Egypt. That's the seven fat cows. But after the seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land. And that's the seven skinny cows devouring the seven fat cows. And so, again, Joseph reveals the dream through the power of God, and again, the dream comes true, and, and famine hits. And so, they have elevated Joseph to second in command, only answering to Pharaoh. And this is the wording of the Pharaoh, Genesis 41:40. You shall be over my house, and all the people should be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be great uh, than you. And, and so second in command. So he goes from the pit to the prison to now the palace and all the ups and downs. And so the seven years of feast and famine, all that takes place. And back in Canaan, where he's from, the famine now is, is bad there. And so his dad, 
Jacob sends the brothers to Egypt because he hears there's food in Egypt. And there's food in Egypt because Joseph had a plan and God had used Joseph. And so they go. And guess what? All, all these years later, the brothers are now standing before Joseph. And Genesis chapter 45, verse 1 says, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And so it's crazy what's taken place. So in all this, we skipped a few chapters here, but the brothers had come to Egypt. Joseph recognized them. They didn't recognize Joseph. He sends them back home and, and wants them to bring the younger brother Benjamin and and so finally after you know arguing with their dad and time has passed they come back they bring the young, younger brother Benjamin and now Joseph is finally going to tell them who he really is and in verse 2 of, of Genesis 45 it says he wept aloud this is Joseph and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it then Joseph said to his brothers I am Joseph does my father still live his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. They were like freaking out a little bit, like, who is this? this, is, this is this really our brother? Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near, and then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself. And, and so here's where we really want to think about, and I think we're going to continue getting into it. It says, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. So even... Though life wasn't good, Joseph knew God was good. God, God had a plan in this. And so finally, Joseph's family, they all move from Canaan now into Egypt. And, and they, they spend 17 years together. And there's a great reunion. And 17 years, Jacob lives there with his son, Joseph, who he thought had, had died. But then the dad dies. Jacob dies. And so now the brothers are scared. They're, they're assuming the only reason Joseph, their younger brother, hasn't, you know, got revenge is because the father's been alive. And so they get word to, and they're messengers, and they're, and they're freaking out. And, they're, and here's the response Joseph has to his brothers. Genesis chapter 50, verse 18. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. And Joseph, uh, there in verse 19, said to them, Don't be afraid, for I am in the place of God. And, and so here's what we want to focus in on verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God, God meant it for good in order to bring about this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I'll provide for you a little one, uh, you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So let's, un let's just kind of unpack. What, what's the application for us today? We, we started the story as a 17-year-old boy, hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, thrown into the pit, thrown into prison, finds himself in the palace. And, and here's just three points of application I, I want you to think about. Even in the culture we are now and the craziness that goes on, like I cannot, I still can't, I'm still wrestling with the fact that we should be sitting in the church right now, but we're not. And so it, it kind of, with this idea, our, our theology seems to point us that, well, since God is good, life is always going to be good. But that's not true. But even though life is difficult, we can trust the fact that God is good. So the first point of application is this. God is present in the pit. When, when life is, like, scary, when life is not good. I love this passage uh, in Psalms 40. And David said this, 
I waited patiently for the Lord and and he inclined to me. He heard my cry like God listens, God hears and and God knows and God sees. And here's verse two. He, He brought me out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon the rock and he established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust the Lord. And I think as we think about this to Joseph's life, years went by from the pit to the prison and ups and downs and good and bad. And yet Joseph, through it all, he realized, and you, you see it in the scripture, that God was with him. God is present in the pit. God is with you now. We don't have to fear because God is with us. That's what the psalmist said. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing. Why? Because God is with us. The second point is that God gives peace in prison. And again, I, I don't know, you know, we could think of a lot of application or thoughts on what, what prison might mean to us right now. Or, uh, but we, we do know what specifically the text says in Genesis 39 Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. This was while he was in prison. And he showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. I mean, in the midst of the prison, God brought peace. So maybe right now you're feeling a little anxious. Um, and, and maybe there's, there's things in your life that are way more crazy than, than even the virus we're talking about. Maybe, maybe your kids are not following the Lord. Uh, maybe in your marriage there's just struggle and like you're, you're talking about divorce. I, I, I don't know what, you know, we would quote, you know, prison. What, what prison are you currently in? But I, what I want you to know is that the Lord is still good and God can give peace in the midst of the prison. The third thing I want to point out is that God has a plan in our pain that even in Joseph's pain, the good, the bad, the ups, the downs, the being thrown into prison, falsely accused, and and being hated by his brothers. The verse that we kind of landed on, we we started with Romans 8, 28, right? God is working. God works all things to good. And it doesn't mean everything is good, but he works it according to his plan and according to his purpose. And in Genesis 50, uh, 50, verse 20, what Joseph said is powerful. What you meant for evil against me, God meant for good in order to save a lot of people's lives. You know, I don't know why uh, everyone went like seriously crazy about all this and why I'm sitting on my porch preaching a message to a video camera, but I know God's gonna work good in it. I know God has a plan and, and even though we don't understand it and sometimes we don't see it, but you know, I'm thinking right now that there's, there's someone watching on their phone or on their iPad or maybe on their TV and God is, is revealing to them that He has a purpose and He has peace and His presence is there. But, but I do want to say that these, these principles are really for people who belong to God. You know, when I was 17 years old, I gave my life to Christ. And because I gave my life to Christ and surrendered my will to His will, then these principles apply to me that when I'm in the midst of it, God is with me. But, but I want you to know that maybe you're watching today and, and you've never given your life to Christ. The greatest thing you could do in order for these principles to apply to your life, in order for God to seriously be with you in the storm and in the prison and, all, and, and to give you peace in His presence, is you've got to be a child of God. 
And the Bible is very clear on how you can become a child of God, that, that God loved you so much that He sent His Son to die on a cross to pay the penalty of, of your sin and my sin. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They will be adopted into the family of God and these principles, God's presence, God's peace, His power, it'll be with you. So my encouragement for you today is if you've never given your life to Jesus, do that today. It's very simple. It's, we, we kind of spell it out with the ABCs. Like you need to admit that you need God because you have sin. You need to believe that Jesus, in fact, loved you so much that he died to pay for your sins. And then you need to confess your faith in Jesus. Lord, I I can't get to God except through Jesus. And I'm confessing my need of Him. I'm confessing my sin. And I'm asking you, Lord, to save me now. And and can I encourage you, if wherever you might be today watching this, if you make that decision, would would you give us a message? Or you, you can send a private message. You can just put it in the comments. We'd love to reach out to you. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, but, but for all of us who've maybe done that, I, could I just encourage you today that God's going to bring some incredible opportunities and stories about what we're going through. God's going to reveal to us His power and His presence. And God's going to reveal to us that, that even in this midst of this storm right now, that God is good and that God is in control. And uh, so, hey, I, I just want to say thank you for jumping on with us today. And, and I want you to stay engaged, right? This, I, I think the church right now, the God's church, has some going to have some incredible opportunities to serve our community, uh, to, conserve, uh, to serve people all over the world. And so uh, stay connected to us. We're praying that we get to meet next Sunday. And we'll keep you posted on that. Um, we're, we're reaching out to some local food banks. We're le- reaching out to our schools to see if there's opportunities we can be involved. Also, if you know of people in, in your neighborhood or you work with, uh, or maybe you're a member of our church and uh, there's people who need groceries, maybe some elderly people who need us to bring them medicine or food, we, we want to reach out. We want to help. This is a great opportunity, church, to, to love our neighbors. It's a great opportunity to help people find and follow Jesus. So, hey, thanks for jumping on board with us. And, and just know, trust, God is in control. God is good, even, even when life sometimes isn't. Man, I hope you have a great week and uh, stay connected to us. We'll let you know. Hopefully, we'll get to meet next Sunday morning. We'll see you next time.